Hello and welcome to A Couple of Goons, the podcast where me, Neil Payne of 538, sit down and talk with my friend Walter Hickey of Insider about hockey and the world of hockey and and maybe even teach him a little something about hockey along the way. Hey, Walt, how are you this week? I'm doing really good. Uh, It has been a fun week. It has been, uh, you know, just nice and steady as she goes, but some fun games this week. Uh, my team is not at the bottom of the league. It's tied for the bottom of the league. So that's not like the worst thing in the world. But, you know, I'm just enjoying I'm enjoying my like second week of being a hockey guy. Yeah, this is week two of Hockey Guy, week two of our podcast. The, 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 we, could, we could have called this the Hockey Guy Project. Maybe we should have. <laughs> but, you know, we're, 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 we're sticking to the goons theme. Uh, yes. I, I do think we'll drop the gloves at some point uh, in, in this episode. But, um, yes. yeah, it, it is great. I've, you know, as is the tradition, I think every Wednesday I've got um, Chicago against Nashville now. It's the Wednesday night rivalry game. And uh, it's on network that i happen to have extolled the virtues of a week ago and then just days later we yes. had some bad news about that network and i understand you have some some thoughts on that some notes on, we'll start on we'll start out with it because yeah. so again like one of the reasons that i thought hockey was cool was because i have tried to become a soccer person before and soccer is very cool i enjoy watching the women's world cup i enjoy watching the world cup I sometimes enjoy if a game happens to be on, and that is the operative thing. Because if you want to get into soccer, you have to wake up and go to a bar, and which are all now closed, and then hang out with like people who like soccer a lot enough to wake up every Saturday at, at 10 a.m. You have Hockey's to wear a scarf. You, you have to wear, wear a scarf. scarf. And you have to wear a scarf. See, in hockey, the scarf is out of necessity. In soccer, it's a fashion statement. But I like the utility of the, the scarf because it, it's cold. There's ice involved. There's ice. You are near ice. And we are approaching a world in which there will be much fewer ice than there is now. And so all ice hanging out near it. It's a good time. That said, um, soccer was hard to get into because I could not turn on a a channel that is operating in the largest city in this hemisphere and find it at a good hour. Um, Hockey, though, is not that case. Because as we were talking about last week, it's on the MSG channel. It is on other things it's also on a channel that you extolled the virtues of a little channel called nbc sports network uh which has just been a true beacon of excellent uh fascinating hockey coverage from around the league and a great opportunity to up i'm sorry it is it is shutting down uh they're going to kill nbc sports network right why well, I mean, I I was hoping you could tell me why i yeah well i can tell you uh, it's because cable's dying and it's because no, they no, well, not it's cable. Yeah. Our favorite thing. Um, but the thing is like NBC sports. I mean, so NBC has a lot of different things, which you can kind of tell because they had to come up with the name Peacock to explain what their offerings were. And as they, like they were looking for this with this summer with the Olympics, uh, which now have a gigantic question mark next to it. Uh, they were looking to that to be kind of the big onboard of just like, we're going to p- start pushing everybody there. If you want to watch a thing like live, or if you want to watch one of the lesser sports that is not as commercially interesting, like not one that involves swimming, like you go to Peacock to do that. And they're very desperate to push people to Peacock just because it is the only way that corporations can get that DTC money. And after Disney made all the DTC money, everybody kind of wants to do that. And so what they seem to be doing with NBC Sports Network is that they're announcing basically a Peacock first and then USA Network first uh, policy. They're not dropping the the deals. They are just going to change the way that you get them, I think. But that means I have to subscribe to Peacock 
to be able to to watch hockey. I don't like this move of live sports now suddenly being on these streaming services. Uh, that's that's a little bit of a new thing. I think we knew that that frontier was was coming at yeah. some point, but uh, you know, I, I haven't cut uh, my cable cords yet, obviously, because I am watching the NBC uh, <laughs> Sports Network for right now, and, and it does feel a little bit like you know once we make that move toward uh, all of the live stuff being on on these different streaming services. Cable really looks less and less uh, necessary by the day. And, and I mean, uh, yeah, that was the levy like that. Like again, you and I worked for ESPN for quite some time. You still yeah. work for the mouse. Uh, but the mouse. You work for the mouse. Um, you like when we were there again, like ESPN was the moat the whole time. They've done a lot of work to restructure. They've done a ton of investment in developing ESPN to be plus to be a thing. They've done a really good job of that kind of stuff. Other streaming networks are now getting in on that. Um, Amazon is widely considered to be in pole position to try to snag the direct TV deal of the NFL. They're going to be where you watch red zone. If the bidding goes according to what they want, Apple's also reportedly in that game. Like all the streaming networks want to get a bite of live sports because they kind of see, that that original bundle is dissolving a little bit. And Peacock, in addition to, I imagine, being a place where you can watch hockey and some of these contracted things, is also going to, they just cut a huge deal with the WWE, basically subsuming WWE network, kind of like Pac-Man style. And so like, long story short, it's all going to be the same, but it's all going to be worse uh, and harder to get and more expensive. Always, <laughs> yeah, exactly what you want. Pay more yes. for, for less things and it's more annoying to get to. But I'm glad that they can unite WWE fans, hockey fans, soccer fans, and fans of The Office under one umbrella uh, of, of Peacock. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. I mean, it's it's electric. Can't you see how excited I am? <laughs> yeah, we, we uh, are. It's yeah, it's all interesting. And the interesting thing about all that is that Netflix does not have live sports. No, and, it doesn't. Like they were the original streamer, and they're so far just like they got nothing. They got some sports anime, but they don't got live sports. <laughs> like they got Haikyuu. Uh, I gotta watch that scene. That's a basketball one, but they they do not have live sports. Yeah. Shout out to Yuri on Ice, which is a little bit like uh, hockey related. I mean, it's figure skating, but it is, you know, I did, on it ice. Is, yeah, no, it definitely primed the pump in terms of getting me interested in ice related sports. Uh, related I, sports. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a gateway drug for that. It um, absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was the big news of the week on the on the media front. Um, and yeah, I got to say, it will be a little sad to to not have my routine on Wednesday night, but I think we'll find rivalry games either way. Um, but, uh, yeah, did we want to move on and maybe talk about, uh, some of, some of the things that have jumped out to us in the league, in the actual playing of hockey? First up, uh, you have been chomping at the bit to talk about Dallas. Yeah. So, well, I think they're a really interesting team and their start to the season was, uh, delayed by a massive COVID outbreak, which I believe, uh, they, they started like more than a week after any other team in the league, uh, which was, uh, a little bit of a, you know, is it a rest thing versus rust? Do you have chance to maybe practice a little bit more versus playing in live game action? Uh, but I already had doubts about them going into the season because they had this amazing 
amazing run to the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, I believe even took a lead or, or uh, uh, you know, shocked the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Mighty Lightning in a few of those games last year uh, before ultimately succumbing. But they looked like a, a team that was a classic case of they played over their head, got hot at the right time in the playoffs, but maybe a regression to the mean candidate. This was not the Mike Medano uh, led Dallas Stars of, of the late 90s, uh, every Buffalo fan's least favorite team of all time, uh, uh, supplanting the 2020 Chiefs even. Uh, so uh, th- th- it seemed like they might be a candidate for regression, especially since a few injuries. Uh, also, you know, key players out, Tyler Sagan out uh, to, to start the season at least. And so you know, that was a team that I was looking at to to take a step back. But rather than taking a step back, they have actually been outstanding so far. I know it's only three games in the season. They've won three of them by a combined score of 12 to three. That's pretty good uh, yeah. in, in their games so far. Uh, you know, uh, y- you can't complain about that uh, too much. And I, I think that, you know, the fact that one of them was against Detroit. Okay. That's fine. You're, you're going to beat Detroit, I think, most of the time when you when you play them. But they beat Nashville seven to nothing in their first game of the season. A pretty good Predators team, I think. You know, yeah. the one we're watching right now against Chicago, and uh, they they swept the Predators in fact because they beat them in the second game three to two as well. Uh, and so, a couple of impressive wins. They've they've gotten some impressive performances on an individual level as well. For instance, Joe Pavelski, who at age thirty six, you know, longtime member of the San Jose Sharks, but maybe not a player that we would expect to come out and have eight points in the first three games of the season, including three uh, goals uh, and getting uh, really good goaltending from Anton Kudobin, who also was great in the playoffs last year when, when called upon. Uh, but, you know, we're seeing uh, this team kind of rally around. I know it's been only three games again, uh, and they have some pretty crazy special teams numbers. They're converting on 56% of their power play chances and killing 92% of their penalties. That probably won't uh, keep up as the season goes on, nor will the 958 save percentage that Kudobin has. But again, just a little bit of a um, a sign of a team that maybe uh, is at least shaking off the, the idea that they'll regress hard to the mean, even though we're only three games in the season. And in, in our ELO ratings that we have, maybe yes. these are the official, um, these are the official couple of goons podcast uh, ELO ratings. Very Book official. It. You Bank can find it. those. They're on GitHub. I update them every day. Uh, but uh, the Dallas Stars rank seventh in hockey, and they are uh, the second most improved team over the last week. No, third most, sorry. Uh, tied for the third most um, behind Montreal and the LA Kings. Uh, and they've only played, they've played less than a week. They've had less time to, to yeah. improve than those other teams. So they looking, already looking ended, uh, yes. good and uh, had. Yeah, hats off to them for for playing so well early on. The other team that you just brought up, Montreal, uh, you've been very interested in them. They are tied, obviously, with with uh, Dallas for best current you know win percentage or or any of that. So, how uh, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about them a little bit, and I know that the Canadian uh, division uh, is really interesting this year. Uh, how's that go? 
Yeah, well, the I, I mentioned just then that the team that is most improved since preseason of any team are the Canadians. They've gained two, 21 points onto their ELO rating uh, in the first couple weeks of the season. They're outscoring opponents by 1.8 goals per game over the course of six games, which is is just about the average number of games most teams have played so far. You know, they've gotten a good number of games and uh, to kind of uh, show themselves. Obviously, let's be let's back up a second. Six games is a microscopic sample in hockey, but compared to the other teams in the league so far, it's not like they are, um, you know, uh, Dallas and and uh, Florida having played only three games. Um, and I'm just encouraged by the signs that we're seeing from them uh, this season in particular. Their offense has been really off the charts so far um, in the early going, and that they were kind of a, a mediocre looking team last year. But the the pickup of Tyler Toffoli from uh, Vancouver, he is off to a really hot start on the season, eight points in six games. Jeff Petrie, the defenseman, seven points in six games from your defenseman with a plus nine, uh, plus minus rating. Uh, and, and they just seem to be, you know, pl- playing uh, between some of the guys they picked up, Joel Edmondson, Josh Anderson, uh, uh, guys like that, but also some of the guys that they had on the team already. Uh, they, they're really playing well, and they're doing it without necessarily getting an amazing performance in net uh, so far. Carey Price, the longtime star goaltender for the Canadians, has not been very good at all so far this season. 893 save percentage. Jake Allen, uh, who they picked up uh, from St. Louis uh, going into this season, it's been like whatever been fine but but not amazing <laughs> so i think it's a, i always like to look for teams that are doing well without the benefit of great goaltending i think that's going to be a theme if it's sort of like your non-goaltending performance if you take your 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 performance as a team and just subtract out that goaltending value that can be a pretty good predictor of how good a team is going forward at least better than almost your overall record because goaltending as we know we'll probably talk about this at length at some point is a very fluky aspect of hockey and the best goaltenders can play poorly and the worst goaltenders can turn into good goaltenders. And there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason. And there's a reason why they call the playoffs, the tournament to decide the hottest goalie. That's all it is. The the Stanley cup playoffs. It's just, let's, let's determine who the hottest goalie is right now. It has no bearing on anything. It doesn't even have bearing on how good they are. They're just hot. They're hot for a month. Um, maybe I'm overstating it a little bit, but that's sort of um, a, a good rule of thumb, I think, going forward. And by that standard, what if the Canadians get so, a little bit more vintage goaltending, especially from Carey Price, but ma- manage to maintain some of the the performance from their skaters going forward? They could be even better. That's that's really interesting that like goaltending can kind of set your base and, and then everything on top of it is a good kind of articulation of how good a team is. Yeah, goalies are fascinating in every single sport. There's a psychological difference between them and normal people, and I respect it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, there's something weird about. I mean, I guess you could lump pitchers in baseball into that too. Just the 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 guy who's like all by themselves. They're kind of weird. They're doing something weird that's different from everyone else on the team. Generally superstitious. A lot of superstitions, a lot of like, you know, Patrick Waugh, the great goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche, he used to talk to his, uh, his the the pipes of, of the goal. Uh, 
Like, I don't know if the, the left pipe and the right pipe were like different personalities in his head, but he definitely would like turn around and just like say stuff to them uh, when, when he was feeling in a particular mood um, or thank them, I suppose, when the when when the puck uh, hit one of them. You know, this they sport is excellent. Him. I like everything about it so far. Yes. Yeah, I, lo- I love it like a neo-shamanic uh, player on, on every single team. <laughs> like, yeah, Nick Cage, I think, would be outstanding uh, as a hockey goalie. And also, the you could call the goal net the cage. He's yeah. defending the cage as cage. Every- everything I know about Nick Cage and his spirituality makes me believe that he would be perfect at a goal. Um <laughs> Yes, uh, this is this is great. This is this is that kind of like hockey talk that will make me a good hockey guy. Um, uh, let's hockey talk- guy level increased. I think you're yeah, leveling I, up. I think I am too. I think that I, I wish that I, I'm going to add a sound to our wonderful soundboard. But imagine that this coming sound is rather than a drum riff is instead actually just you know winning the end of a Mario level. There we go. So I've leveled up. I'm level two now. Uh, yeah. You know, you can take an extra proficiency in knowledge about the Montreal Canadiens now. Yeah, no, I, I can actually channel divinity directly into my goaltender, too. <laughs> you so, can turn undead. <laughs> no, the, the Rangers can't come back this year, man. No. Uh, so, Ouch. Uh, uh, I would like to talk about trade season. You you, you mentioned in our, in our ongoing text message chain about this that there are trades, including a trade that was very big. And I would like to know... A, what trade, and B, how should I feel about this? Well, I don't know how any any normal person would feel about a uh, a trade involving the Winnipeg Jets and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, not not to talk down on either of those teams, but they are certainly not big market teams. That's part of the charm, I think, especially for Winnipeg. They are, uh, I think, easily the smallest market, almost a, a little like a Green Bay Packers of hockey type of situation where it's like a very close knit community uh, and, and they feel very connected to the team. But um, there are a couple of players, young players, really good young players on uh, both the Blue Jackets and the Jets uh, that were not happy with their particular situation. Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, formerly of the uh, Blue Jackets, a young center. Uh, He was not happy with Columbus. I think he wanted to be a bigger star, which makes his destination a little bit interesting, uh, being shipped (laughs) to Winnipeg, Manitoba. You know, we'll see. Uh, I, I can't imagine it was very uh, he, he was getting along very well with his coach, John Tortorella, who is an interesting character that we can probably learn a little bit more about as the season goes on as well. Uh, he has a long history as a coach in this league and uh, certainly a long and colorful history. Um, but uh, yeah, the, so the, the the Blue Jackets, not, you know, on good terms with Dubois. They traded him to Winnipeg for Patrick Laine, who also was not happy with Winnipeg, uh, wanted out, I think, outstanding young winger. Uh, and they they uh, just couldn't really come to uh, a, a copacetic agreement with him, you know, and, and his presence on the team. And so they, they traded him away. I believe the trade also involved um, at least one other uh, uh, younger player, or at least a decent uh, uh, player. I'm trying to look up the exact terms of the trade. I'm vamping uh, right now. Jack Roslovic, that's who got traded. He's actually, he was he's from Columbus, which is interesting. He was on Winnipeg, got traded to his hometown team, which is oh. amazing to see uh, 
like Columbus being someone's hometown team and being <laughs> the team of someone who grew up and then joined the NHL because Columbus didn't have a team until uh, I think 2001 was their first season. So we're seeing I mentioned Austin Matthews last week as someone who was from Phoenix and then made his way into the NHL and now plays for the flagship Canadian team, uh, the, the Maple Leafs. That it's interesting to have a player from there in the league. It's also interesting to have a guy like Jack Roslovic grow up, you know, in Columbus rooting for a team that then he gets traded to. That wouldn't have been possible, I think, until very recently. No one who was alive for the Columbus Blue Jackets would have been old enough to play in the league. But that's that's how old we are now, Walt. <laughs> so uh, that, that, that was the deal. And I, I like the deal from the perspective of the Jackets. Uh, you know, no, no offense to Dubois. Uh, supposedly one of the big deal, uh, one of the big aspects of the deal was you wanted to get a young center. That's a big focus of of the the trade market and centers. They're sort of the the guys that do it all in hockey. They uh, they're expected to play both on offense, play a key role in setting guys up to score. The wingers tend to be sort of the finishers more, but centers are are the the guys that do a little scoring and also are expected to set guys up. And then they're also expected to turn around and be responsible in their own zone and be um, uh, uh, defensive minded as well some do that more than others um but the great players in the history of the game have always been, uh, tended to be when we're talking about great forwards they've tended to be more often centers than uh wingers just because they do more stuff they're more um you know well-rounded players or the ones that like wayne gretzky was a center he was not necessarily the most well-rounded player of all time uh you know i'm not uh, i would far be it for me to insult the defense of the great one um but but what even were, what he, were his you know, mediocrities what, what was he terrible at what did tell me <laughs> well i mean he was uh uh probably weighed about oh i don't know maybe 160 pounds soaking wet uh he was not known for being uh, a gritty guy that went down into the trenches into the corners and mixed it up certainly not an enforcer i believe he was only in one fight in his entire career it was against neil broughton of the minnesota north stars and broughton when when gretzky dropped the gloves and wanted to get into it with broughton broughton was like gave him a look like of pure confusion like <laughs> are you are you being serious right now because i don't think you know what what you're what you're thinking about doing uh, and of course the fight it, it was barely a fight it lasted about <laughs> 10 seconds and Gretzky sort of went down to the ice. Sometimes you got to drop the gloves as we well know on this show, but, uh, uh, but, but yeah, Gretzky was more of a guy that would sort of cherry pick, uh, you know, he would kind of hang out at the top of the defensive zone. And then anytime his team got the puck, uh, they would, instantly start a breakout by giving him the puck and he was pretty fast and would be able to kind of start a uh, a rush going the other way maybe get a breakaway out of it and and he certainly scored a lot of points and we should devote a whole episode I think to the greatness of Wayne Gretzky and his numbers at some point but um, mostly centers are, are expected to kind of go down deeper into their own zone but then also be able to set guys up at the other end and certainly Gretzky was great at doing that so that was some of the rationale behind picking up someone like Dubois, you know, young, productive center. Maybe you could see him develop into that type of two-way player that, uh, you know, Patrick Laine, great, in my opinion, great winger, young winger, but uh, at the same time, not necessarily, um, uh, you know, uh, as much, uh, you know, it balances out in the trade market when, when you go for a guy that um, is uh, a productive winger versus, 
a center who might have the more of an overall potential. And so, so just kind of taking it all together, like you can see the logic and what Winnipeg was trying to accomplish there, but you think that Columbus might've got the better end of it. I think so. Yeah. That's, that's my official stamp on this trade. So we'll, well see if that works out down the line uh, or, or if that uh, is proven to be wrong. Uh, and, and in terms of both teams, like I said, I thought that um, I thought that uh, Winnipeg looked really good on paper going into the season uh, and they've started out the season pretty good. They've lived up to those expectations. Uh, and at the same time, Columbus hasn't quite been as good, but I think it's still too early to, to say about their season. And, I, I think the drama around Dubois was was sort of hanging over the team early on. Now we'll see if Tortorella can can coach them up uh, after the drama ends. Got to get got to get rid of that locker room drama. Uh, oh, always. So, locker so room tri- stuff is always you know hockey is is known for its um its its locker room dynamics. I think uh, the idea of having guys just on the team for their like leadership or grit or whatever you want to call it that's a long-standing tradition in hockey that is being eroded by the pres- by the awareness that maybe we need guys with skill maybe <laughs> maybe we need skill i don't know about this whole grit thing but um it, it, old habits die hard so i think there's still a <laughs> lot of like you know you got to have good chemistry with your line mates too that's a big uh big thing in in hockey that you do see that in other sports of course you know dynamic pairings between players or sort of uh you know mixtures that work but in hockey it's legendary like lines will get you know left wing right wing and center will get their own sort of like nicknames and and uh, i remember <laughs> the flyers had the legion of doom which was a a, an excellent name for a line it's really good yeah it's really yeah. good <laughs> yeah uh, I like that a lot because again, like it is like a fascinating sport to watch because again, like there are obviously a ton of chemistry between people. People are obviously going on and off at various different times and, and being able to syncopate that seems really hard. And that seems like where a lot of the like skill and coaching comes into it. Am I, am I off on that or? No, it's it totally is. And each line um, tends to have its own role and and will often have its role be defined in relation to who they match up with on the other team also, which is a little bit different. So instead of, you know, you'll see this some in, in basketball where it's like we've got our, our death lineup, you know, our small ball lineup and we've got our big lineup and, you know, you can kind of play the matchup game that way. But most of the time, I mean, in basketball, especially in crunch time minutes, you're playing your best five players, your, your best lineup, your starters, uh, you, you tend to play in those situations. But in hockey, because you have to make so many changes, it's not like you can put your best, you know, forwards, uh, your first line forwards and defensemen out there the whole end of the game and rely on them. You might double shift guys, have them play twice as often in the in the rotation, but you're shifting guys in and out all the time. And so a lot of the chess match between coaches is about trying to figure out which lineup matches up really well and takes away what the other team's uh, best lineup does well. And that's why the third line tends to be the checking line, the line that has some of those grinders, some of those gritty defensive minded players that are designed to neutralize the other team's best offensive talent. Okay, so this is actually, this answer is kind of, a, a, I guess, a question that I didn't know that I have that I definitely have, which is when people go on and off the ice a lot, they are basically retooling the team in real time to try to check what's going on on the other team. 
Yeah, but they do it in those predetermined units uh, for the most part. Uh, So it will be, uh, and this is where the chemistry kind of comes in is, you know, you'll have your first line, uh, your, your left, your, your best left wing, your best center, your best right wing, and they'll tend to play uh, barring some kind of shakeup play together, uh, you know, throughout the whole season. And so when they leave the ice, they all three go off at the same time. And then they bring on the next, you know, the, the second line, uh, who will be your second most skilled, you know, wingers and, and centermen. And, def- uh, so there are four offensive lines and there are only three defensive pairings. So defenders, and there's only two of them on each pairing, obviously. So defenders tend to play, uh, you know, some extra minutes in the game. They, they might, play, you know, a top line, uh, forward might play 19, 20 minutes a game, whereas the top defensemen might play like 28 29 30 minutes a game especially when you get into the playoffs where your your top line defenders are really asked to do a lot they're asked to play like the literal majority of the game if we're talking about more than half of the game that's okay that answers so many questions that again i did not realize i had because part of it was just like why are these guys going on and off all the time and now i didn't realize that like they actually structure it like again i can just think of like like a Napoleonic army of just like, Oh, send in the reserve and then send in the reserve reserve. And it's very cool. Okay. That answers some stuff. So it's not a rule. So it's not the weird rule of the week, but we're going to get to that soon. Um, so very soon. I wanted to actually talk about mailbag and by mailbag, I mean, uh, my friends who listened to it, it, it from college who liked hockey and then said, you should talk about some stuff. Uh, and so this is Laura Murray. Uh, and, uh, she uh, sent this in. I listened to the pod, and there's just so much context that you won't get from a straight man. Uh, for example, the NHL is the himboist league. And I wanted to give you a chance for redemption here. Is she... Go on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I think we talked about this um, last week in terms of hockey players having the most uh, highest attractiveness quotient of any league. Uh, I think maybe that gets into it. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) That might have been off mic. I don't know. Oh, maybe it was off mic. Well, I think it, I I, I do think that it's a uh, empirically driven fact um, uh, of sports. And uh, I I think they do tend to also uh, exhibit the behaviors that go along with that, if that makes sense. (laughs) So that checks out to me. That checks out. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess we have, we have, we have plans for later, just, just, I imagine that, you know, if you get a letter in the mail or a text, it's when somebody says that to you, that means that 20 people are thinking of it. So for all of you out there, we know we're going to bring it up. It's going to be a whole episode down the line. We'll get into the mix on this. Uh, (laughs) The himbo quotient. Exactly. Again, I mean, we need an acronym. We need to figure out what himbo uh, backronym. Sorry for 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 himbo that then we will act like it happened um, organically. Uh, heuristic ice time male uh, batting offensive. No, we're getting we're getting close. We're gonna workshop it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna workshop. Close. But I like the heuristic and and ice yeah. time. I feel like it, it, it. Ice time belongs in there. Absolutely. And I, male. I think it's realistically. Um, so we are. Uh, that all said, if you have thoughts or things that you would like to hear, you know, text it to me or Neil. If for whatever reason you don't have the personal phone number of me or Neil, you can just tweet it at me or Neil. It'll be fun. We're on Apple podcast now, so you can leave it in a five-star comment. That's the only one that we read. Um, And you also can, uh, can tweet at uh, what is it? At goons pod at goons pod. Yes. Goons pod. 
And uh, with that, that brings us to our favorite segment of the week. Beautiful. Weird rule of the week. Uh, and as promised, Neil, what is an offsides and why does it happen? And why do goals get not made goals anymore when they happen? So, yeah, offside is uh, basically the the idea. So, so you know those blue lines that are on the ice? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm watching the game right now. I see some wonderful blue lines. There's two, two of them. One is very close to an Enterprise Rent-A-Car logo. In fact, they both are. Uh, and so, you know, wh- when you go into the Enterprise Rent-A-Car zone, no. The, this this rule vastly predated uh, product placement uh, digitally imposed on the ice. But basically, so the blue lines determine the zones of the ice. There's the offensive zone. That's the one where you're trying to score that is sectioned off by the blue line. There's the defensive zone, which is the area around your own goal, which is also sectioned off. And then there's the area between the two blue lines. That is the neutral zone, uh, which is uh, could, we, we could talk about in a later uh, episode, the trap that was oriented around there that ruined hockey, thanks to the New Jersey Devils. But that's another topic for another time. Uh, but anyway, so offside is a rule designed to keep offensive players from essentially cherry picking way worse than Gretzky standing next to the goalie and just sort of being there the whole game long, you know, uh, just, just waiting for some kind of long outlet pass that then they can turn into like an automatic breakaway and hockey's powers that be long ago. I don't even know when they put this rule in it. It, it must be, you know, certainly in the first half of the 20th century uh, that, they they wanted to put in a rule that basically said you can't do that. And I think they had a genius idea uh, of how to do it. They, they painted these blue lines. And the idea is that no player on the offensive team can precede the puck into the offensive zone. You have to either carry it in yourself uh, and, and sort of have it on your stick as you go in and then your teammates can follow you in. Or you can dump it in. That's what they go uh, when when they talk about dumping it. That just means that you shoot it into the offensive zone. And once again, the puck has entered the offensive zone before you have. And so, as long as you do that, and uh, the 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 rule is about it's it's now based on the plane. It's a little like football, where yeah. you know how the ball is to break the plane of the um the the end zone to be a touchdown. Well, there's a pl- uh, the 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 you have to imagine the blue lines extending up into infinity, uh, you know, up in the, into the air. And uh, if if the puck goes, I think if any part of your skate is on the, the far side of the blue line before, uh, after the puck goes over it, then that's fine. Uh, so you'll see often they've gotten so good at this, by the way, uh, today's players have, where they time it just right. They're about to skate offside. And then they sort of angle their skates and they make sure that their back, you know, leg is like <laughs> hanging outside the zone. So they're technically on side until their teammate goes in and they're like, we're, we're in business. Let's go in. Uh, but now they can review this with with video. And like you mentioned, goals can be revoked because uh, someone was offside in a way that was maybe perhaps indetectable to the naked eye in the in the moment. But then they'll go back and they'll look at it and they'll say, technically, you were offside and it and and it happened a lot more when the rule before this season was that the skate had to be physically touching the blue line for you to uh be considered 
not offside essentially. So uh, it wasn't this plane idea, but they added the plane idea. So it's like, if you're over it, if you're hovering your skate over it, if you've broken the plane in any way, shape or form, then um, you're still legally onside just to try to clear up this idea. Like uh, there have been ones where guys were technically hovering over it, but their skate wasn't physically on the line. And so it was considered technically offside and it, uh, you know, led to goals being revoked and a lot of controversy and, and goals are a little hard to come by. I mean, it's not like soccer to that level, uh, yeah. but it is, uh, it's certainly not a overly high scoring sport. So every goal really does count. And if you get those revoked, it's, it's bad news. I like the offside rule, by the way, in hockey, a lot more than the one in soccer. Soccer yeah. of course, has its own problems with goals being revoked due to the offside rule. But uh, <laughs> soccer's rule is it's almost like the, the, they have a blue line, but it's imaginary and it's uh, anchored <laughs> to the, um, yeah, it's anchored to the position of the last defender. And uh, that's so you can't go, yeah, w- the, the pass must be released before you are past the last defender. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a way of handling the problem because they're both trying to handle the same problem, which is they don't want goal hanging. They don't want cherry picking. They don't want guys standing there next to the goalie and just doing things. Uh, and so that's one way to address it. But I think the... It, it leads to a lot of other problems and it also stifles the offense. The defense knows obviously that the last defender dictates where this imaginary blue line is to put it in hockey terms. And so they will play, they will try to trap you into being offside. Uh, and I, I think the way that hockey does it, where it's a, um, a fixed blue line makes a lot more sense. Now there are consequences to that because once the team, the offensive team gets the puck into the offensive zone, it essentially turns this beautiful free-flowing sport of hockey into a very grind-fasty, you know, half-court basketball, like ugly 1990s New York Knicks type of uh, (laughs) half-court basketball in a lot of ways. And they're very desperate. (laughs) <laughs> to keep the puck in the zone if you notice they will do just about anything they'll they'll uh you know uh they'll uh cross check their mother to avoid the puck leaving the offensive zone but that's a consequence of it because there's a delayed aspect to the offside call where uh it doesn't just i think in some leagues this is true where like it blows the whistle if you have anyone in the zone before the puck it's just like it's dead you have to have a face off outside the zone but in the NHL it's a delayed offside rule where they allow you as long as you don't as long as you take the puck back out and sort of reset yourself get everyone out of the zone that shouldn't be in there and then try to mount another um uh offensive zone attack you can do that it's a delayed offside it's only if you're sort of like you're in the zone and you're not making any kind of attempt to clear out the guys that shouldn't be in there uh that they'll blow the whistle on that um but uh yeah that's the offside rule in a nutshell do you have any questions about it i have like many thoughts because hearing you explain it i actually kind of very much like it now i think like i had been pretty good role i again enjoy soccer uh when it is on and that typically involves for for folks in the states that typically involves major world cups and i just remember every time world offsides would happen nobody would understand it everybody would be mad and then they would explain it and then everybody would get more mad because they were just like that's like calculus like figuring out exactly who's behind who at a given time i like your visual of like you know, 62 planes crisscrossing the earth of just like, here's where you can't cross. And like, it's, it's interesting. And you've seen this in other sports. You alluded to football a bunch of times where like, for whatever reason, it feels like in the past 20 years, the technology met what we wanted to accomplish with video after review. 
And like, it seemed for a while there, especially in football, things were very, very choppy of just like, well, we don't know what the call is. There's a lot of ambiguity here of if this was and wasn't a catch. But now it just seems like you can get the high definition cameras and you can get the sensor tech and you can get all that kind of stuff where it's actually not like it is fairly unambiguous. A computer can call it. What in general is the view of hockey fans regarding the offside rule? I know that you, you I mean, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's kind of second nature at this point. So I did look it up while you were talking and that uh, the the kind of modern offside rule uh, was introduced on December 16th, 1929. So it's been in the game for a long time and they haven't really changed it that much. They changed what was called the offside pass, which also is known as the two line pass, which basically said that no pass can cross two lines, essentially saying that you can't make a pass directly out of your own zone over the blue line. Over the red line, remember, which is the half ice line, and then into that, you know, kind of leading up that 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 quarter of the ice that's uh, or whatever it is, it's a half of a third um, that's leading (laughs) up to uh, leading up to the offensive zone uh, that uh, they used to not let you make that pass. But they took that away uh, after the great lockout of 2005 uh, to open up more offense. And and I think um, anybody that looked at it was like. Why was that ever a rule in the first place? Um, but mostly it's gone unchanged, and I think most hockey fans are happy about it. They're actually, I, I feel like the popularity, if we had the, uh, if we if we had an, a net approval rating for uh, offside rules by sport, the offside rule in <laughs> hockey would have a much, much, much higher approval rating than the offside rule in soccer does. Now, does that say that it's a better rule? Maybe. But at the same time, uh, I also think it's just a statement about like a testament to the fact that they got it mostly right um, in 1929, which is kind of cool. Like that was that's a long time ago to get something right that, you know, a lot of sports still struggle with rules. I tell you what, 1929 does not really go down too often as a year where people made some real good choices. This seems like a good one. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you know, of all the things that happened in 1929, I mean, I would probably classify the modern offside rule as the most historic thing. (laughs) Yeah. 1929 had some pros and cons. Pros, the offside rule. Right. Cons, we'll get to that next episode. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so we are are, uh, nearing, nearing the end. But I guess I wanted to remark on like two fun things that I've enjoyed about hockey and then see if these are like liked or disliked. So one thing that I like that... I don't see in other sports is they will interview players in between periods where like in other sports, it's just like, there's a a, a very aggressive, like piss off. I don't want to talk to anybody right now, but like they don't do halftime interviews with a lot of players in in, in football and stuff. But like, I just keep it similar. I think it's similar to what you see in, in basketball where they'll like catch the coach coming off or catch, you know, Steph Curry or someone coming off the court and, and try to interview them. But yeah, hockey players, maybe because of the Mimbo, the himbo factor, Mimbo, what's Mimbo? We'll find out. Uh, The himbo factor. They're they're very um, they're very accommodating. You know, they're affable blokes. Yeah, yeah. They're just always down to chat, tripping up all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then um, a thing that I have enjoyed about hockey is the end game is better than most other sports. Uh, I think that like there's uh, the basketball again. Like I 
enjoy watching it. It's fun. But like, I just feel like the constant succession of timeouts and try to fouls and all that kind of stuff can get real annoying and really slow it down. Football obviously has a somewhat reputation of like the final two minutes can last 10 minutes. And that's always fun because there's a lot of tactics. I like the way that like hockey games end because it's always just like, no, screw it. The goalie's done. He's out. We're just everybody on the, and like, it's just, it's very, it's a high intensity finish. Whereas I think a lot of other sports are just like, like in soccer, they're just like, actually you get three more. You get, you get three more based on, based on what you guys did this game. And so based on what I did not tell you early <laughs> on, but you know, I've determined now there's three more minutes in this game. Yeah, no, I, I like that aspect about hockey. I think there's nothing, uh, there are a few things, let's just say in sports that are more exciting than like, a team down by one goal with like a minute and a half left in a hockey game. They've pulled their goalie and they're just going balls to the wall. You know, they've got the extra attacker out there and it is just, you know, desperation time. And they're the, you know that the team uh, on defense that's defending the lead is going to have to endure like a flurry of offensive activity to earn that. And that's great. I mean, you know, yeah. making you earn the the win. Now, it does take a little bit of the wind out of the sails when uh, they are able to score the empty net goal. And then you're just like, ah, I guess yeah. it's over. And that, that happens earlier, you know, because they are pulling the goalie and the analytics actually support this. The idea that they pull the goalie earlier in the game than, uh, than they used to, they used to wait really until the last minute. Now they're, they, they'll pull the goalie with like two, three, maybe four minutes left, you know, so sometimes so cool. like it gets a little bit, um, uh, risk reward type of thing. But, um, you know, once they score the empty net goal, it kind of takes the wind out of the sails. But beyond that, uh, hockey is a sport where it's like it's kind of hard to come back from like big deficits, but it's not hard to come back from a one goal deficit. And I feel like a lot of games end up being within plus or minus one goal, if not outright going to overtime, which is its own amazing thing that we can talk about in a future episode. Um, so I think that's a great thing about hockey. Yeah, is that most of the time it really does come down to that situation where your one team is desperately defending a one goal lead. And, and that's a great place to be in, I think as a sport. Yeah. Again, like it's just, it's a thing that I've, cause again, I enjoy a lot of different sports. Uh, the NFL, I think has done a lot of work to fix their end game to an extent, but still the whole, like you get four chances to take risks is a lot different than like, no, we're just going to not have a goalie and we're going to see how this goes. And I just really enjoy the vibe of that. Uh, even if often, again, it doesn't always work out, but, um, yeah, I guess, uh, that is, it's just the two things that I kind of noticed. I liked the real time interviews and then I liked the, the end game, uh, I guess, you know, we're coming to the end of this. We haven't actually dropped the gloves yet on anything. Do you have something? It doesn't have to be hockey. Do you have a, a you know, a pop cultural thing or a, or, a, or a real world thing that you would like to throw down about? I, not off the top of my head. I mean, uh, you know, I think uh, we, we we might be too agreeable at least early in this uh, this this season. We haven't developed the rivalries. We haven't developed the, you know, the bad blood. Um, we're, we're sort of like polite canadians at this stage <laughs> soon maybe soon. by you know i think probably by the playoffs we, we will be vintage detroit red wings versus colorado avalanche which we should also <laughs> totally talk about there's a book about that rivalry literally called blood feud it's amazing really? <laughs> yeah <laughs> amazing yeah. all right so i guess we're not going to throw down this week we're in the neutral zone we are and in the neutral zone yeah i did no i don't trapping have- you Trapping tra- you until you give us a five-star rating. 
Yes. Uh, so that said, uh, we are now on Apple Podcasts. I checked earlier. We're not on Spotify or Stitcher yet. I should add us to that. I thought that it did that automatically after you make it to Apple. Um, but we're on Apple Podcasts. And so if you like this, you can say a mean thing about me in the comment. Just give us five stars and then it'll be fun. That's how this works. That's how this works. Uh, and then you can also find it at uh, goons.substack.com. That's just where it kind of lives. That's an email list that you can sign up for. Several friends have signed up for it, people that we know. Uh, and that's it's a, it's a fun way to spend a hockey season because I am getting slightly better at hockey, and you can too. <laughs> that's our motto. Yes. Is that our motto? I don't know. I like drop the gloves. <laughs> but either way. Um, Neil, where can people find you? They can find me at uh, Neil underscore Payne on Twitter, and they also uh, can find me at 538.com. Maybe I'll write about hockey one of these days I was going to this week, but I think we're we're a little swamped with Super Bowl and and various other things. Uh, but but maybe next week. And uh, I'm always I'm always excited to use new uh, stats. And since I calculated that ELO rating, I put it up on GitHub. Oh yeah, you can find me on on GitHub for any of the data nerds out there. Is this the first GitHub plug that's ever been done on any podcast ever? Yeah, follow my SoundCloud. Follow my GitHub. Follow, follow my GitHub. <laughs> you can find me at uh, Neil. Pain 538 uh and i've got a lot of data sets on there it's uh, it, it might be fun for people that like uh playing around with data set including hockey stats uh both for players and teams i, I too have a lot of data sets on my github on 538's thing people still email me about it even though i have not worked at 538 for many years uh you guys did have a really good hockey story this week by uh marissa ingemi ingemi i don't i've never met her but um about the women's hockey league seeing just a really big sponsorship boom. And I know that they're doing a cool bubble upstate. Yeah, I would encourage everybody to read that. Uh, and and it seems like women's hockey, along with, you know, they've had a, a large uh, sort of like labor dispute or sort of like a league structure dispute for a long time. Um, but it, it seems like they're kind of coming out on the other side of that and uh, can kind of gain some momentum and it seems like women's sports in general gaining a lot of momentum uh right now so uh i think hockey hockey has a lot of potential for that and uh you know we won't get to see it this year uh there's no all-star activities but it's been great seeing the women's hockey teams play against each other in the um at the all-star weekend uh the past couple years and and just seeing that you know showcase in addition to all the other places that uh that we can see them play including the olympics which is also outstanding. Um, yeah. If you ever get to see a USA versus Canada women's hockey, Matt, I don't think there's there there may not be anything better in hockey than than watching that. I, I always try to watch the hockey at the Olympics just because they aired it because it's very popular in terms of winter sports. But um, it is always fun. I have seen those games there well. Um, but yeah, so uh, check that article out. Check Neil's stuff out. Check out his GitHub. You know, subscribe to his GitHub. Comment. Fork it. You should fork, fork his it? GitHub. Yeah. yeah. You, Absolutely. Yeah, check out check out my repos. Yeah. Uh, and then you can find me at Insider, where this past week I published a comic. That was very fun. And uh, also Numlock News, which is my daily morning newsletter. You can find it by searching those words, Numlock News. <laughs> um, and that's all I got. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, make sure to uh, say mean things and a comment about me, but give us five stars because that's always cool. And uh, Neil, uh, see you next week. <laughs> Yep, we'll drop the gloves next week, Walt. Drop the gloves. <laughs>